0: And this is like a big deal. Like finances are a huge deal in our society and in our homes and and in relationships. And so we want to take this seriously. According to nerdwallet.com, which that's such a cool name for a website. You know that somebody was laying in bed one night going, man, what can I call this website? What can I? Nerdwallet. That's it. Boom. And so they immediately went and registered that domain so that nobody else would take it. Nerdwallet.com. Household debt has increased by 11% over the last decade. And it it just keeps growing and growing and growing. Like like the the trajectory just keeps going like this. Like there's no end in sight to it. 11% over the last decade. And here are just some numbers for you to kind of set, you know, why this is is so important, why we need to deal with this. Um, These are the averages of people with this kind of debt. All right. So if a family has credit card debt, that amount is $16,061 like if there's any credit card debt within a family, the average for that is $16,061. If a family has a mortgage on a home, the average mortgage is $172,806. If they have a car payment in their home, the average car payment is $28,535. If they have a student loan, the average student loan debt is $49,042. Dollars. There's any debt in the household at all, meaning mortgage, car payment, credit card, doesn't no matter. If there's any kind of of debt in a household, that average is one hundred thirty-two thousand five hundred. And twenty nine dollars. Like that is a lot of money. And again, it doesn't seem like it's going down anytime soon. The average household with credit card debt pays a total of one thousand two hundred and ninety two dollars in interest per year. So not only is our debt costing us a lot, like in in our in our stress and like keeping us awake at night, but our debt is really costing us a lot of money too. One thousand two hundred ninety two dollars in credit card interest alone per. And you look at these and you can just tell like financial debt is eating up our homes. And so it's important for guys like David Duncan to have these ministries uh, that help us like wrangle this together and and live in such a way that that we can honor God with our finances in our homes because it relieves stress. And we know that it can also relieve, um, you know, marital tension. Finances continues to be the number one cause of divorce Uh, So like this is a big deal, but as important as our financial debt is to wrangle and to deal with and to do something about, there is another kind of debt that can be even more costly in our relationships, and it's this, it's relational debt, relational debt. Last week we launched a new series called Guard Your Heart, and over the next few weeks we're going to be looking at some emotional habits that that can kind of set into our lives, that want to reside in our hearts, and to explore tools that God has given us to deal with these habits. And and if you were here last week, you may remember this. If you weren't, let me just kind of catch you up. Uh, There were a couple of people up on stage this morning that were not here, and so they were very confused as to why I had an axe and a bucket on stage. Uh, Like, what? Are you planning on chopping things down? today? Yes, we're taking out the piano. Okay, ready? Here we go. Now, now, so we talked about last week that when When a tree is growing in your backyard, you know, we used the illustration of a pear tree. If a pear tree is growing in your backyard, just keeps dropping pears, dropping pears, dropping pears, they become a nuisance, you know, you're mowing over them, they become rockets that hit your home, uh, break windows, they begin to stink when they rot and attract bugs. You know, when you have that fruit growing in your backyard, you have a couple of different options. You can go around and you can just pick up that fruit over and over and over and you can pick it up and you can pick it up and you can clean it up and just you know throw it out and then go and do it again and that may work for a week or two but eventually you're going to have to go back and you're going to have to clean up that mess again or you can take an axe and you can get to the heart of the issue right like you can just take down the tree you can cut it off at the source and what i said last week is that most of us deal with the symptoms Instead of the source and these issues that come out of our heart. And so when it comes to these emotional habits of anger and guilt and jealousy, most of us just go around dealing with the symptoms. We clean up after our messes. We go and we apologize and we say, I'm so sorry. I don't know where that came from. I'll never do it again. But what the scripture teaches us is that those things come from our heart. The heart is the wellspring of all of these things. And so instead of just dealing with the symptoms, we've got to deal with the source. And the Bible gives us some incredible tools that break these emotional habits in our life before they break yet another relationship. All of these emotional habits, whether it be anger or guilt or jealousy, all of these habits they just wreak havoc in our life because what they do is they create a debt-debtor system in our relationships. And as dangerous as financial debt is to any relationship, relational debt can be far more crippling in the long run. But relational debt is exactly what these emotional habits create. Anger. Anger says, you owe me. You took something from me. And now you owe me. The reason we get angry is because we feel like people have taken something from us. And so when we get angry, it creates this relational debt where we look at the other person and we say, you owe me. And it's hard to be in a relationship with somebody when you feel like you're owed something. Guilt. Guilt says, I owe you. Guilt says, I've taken something from you. And now I you owe you that's why we struggle with feelings of guilt that's why we say things like I owe you an apology jealousy says God owes me like if if God would would just bless me with what he has blessed that person with and man life would be good God you owe me and our jealousy oftentimes is is not towards the other person but actually towards God saying God why didn't you provide for me like you provided for for them and these emotional habits of guilt and anger and jealousy, these emotional habits get lodged into our heart, poisoning our lives and our relationships. And because they are that serious, then they require some very drastic, serious measures. Again, we can go around and we can just try to clean up the mess that they cause, or we can get to the heart of the issue. And they create this system of debt, and so we got to take care of it. If you've ever owed anybody money or if somebody has ever owed you something, then you know that, that debt kind of creates a little bit of awkwardness, doesn't it? Maybe you've borrowed money from a parent or a child has borrowed money from you and, and, and it just seems like that lingers in the relationship. Every time you get together, you're thinking, oh, I hope that doesn't come up or you think, how do I bring this up so I can get my money back? It becomes a source of tension within the relationship And and the same is true with these emotional and relational habits. They can create quite a bit of tension. It's always just underneath the surface. It's always just right there. And the truth is, at one point or another, all of us is going to experience one or more of these emotions. All of us are going to experience anger or guilt or jealousy. And so the question is, what do we do to make sure that they don't become habits? What do we do to make sure that they don't settle into our relationships and and destroy them? Today, we're going to start with probably the most obvious of these emotional habits, maybe the one that you struggle with, the one that I've struggled with, and that is anger. 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 God has given us a tool to deal with our anger. It's a very unlikely tool. It's a tool that sometimes we don't want to pick up and use because we, quite honestly, just don't like it. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to, to Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. If you have a Bible app that you like to use, like YouVersion, you can turn there as well, Matthew 18, 21, and hang on to it. I mentioned earlier that... Anger, the the debt that it creates, anger says, you owe me. So let's explore that just a little bit more. Anger says, you have taken something from me, and now you owe me for what has been stolen from me. You owe me for what you have kept me from experiencing in life. You owe me for the way that you have wronged me. In fact, nine times out of ten, if you show me an angry person, I'm going to show you a person who has been hurt. A person who is hurt because they feel like something has been taken from them. And the way that that hurt and that pain comes out is through anger. That's why there's that phrase that you hear so many times in recovery, hurt people hurt people. They're they're angry. They don't know what to do with that anger, and it hurts, and so they lash out and hurt people, but it's not just in recovery. I'm telling you, we do that all the time. When we're hurt, when we're angry, it's so easy to lash out and hurt others because we feel like we're owed something someone has taken something from us and they owe us something even if it's just an apology and we all know people maybe even us who would verbalize their anger with words like like you took my reputation you stole my family you took the best years of my life you robbed me from my childhood or my security or my family you robbed me of my purity Maybe they'd say something like, you owe me a raise, you owe me an opportunity to to try, you owe me a second chance, you owe me affection. All of these are words of anger that that just come out of us because we feel like we are owed something. Whatever those words are, here's the point, the root of anger is a perception that something has been taken. In fact, think about a time in your own life when you've been angry. Think about a time when you've been angry. Chances are if you dig deep enough, you're angry because you feel like something has been taken from you. It may mask itself as something else, but you're angry because you feel like something is owed to you. And now, this debt debtor relationship has been established. And oftentimes, what happens is that anger over one issue begins to root in our heart. And and here's the thing I have never seen an angry heart that reserves its anger for only the person they're angry with. You follow me on that? I've never seen a person with an angry heart that reserves their anger for only the person that they're angry with. In other words, This is true about anger. It's true really about any of these emotional habits that we're going to talk about. I think especially anger. But these habits have a way of spilling over into other relationships. If anger is lodged in my heart, it won't be long until I start believing that everybody owes me something. And that's why we characterize some people as just angry people just seems like they're angry all the time with just about anyone and, and everyone. It's just in their demeanor. Their, their wrath isn't reserved for just one person, the person who made them mad. In fact, we would say that their wrath isn't really reserved for anybody. It just kind of comes out on everybody. And a heart that is filled with this kind of anger is constantly looking to be paid back for what has been taken from them. And unfortunately, in many cases, in so many cases, our unsuspecting friends and family end up paying for someone else's debt in our lives. Our friends and our family who love us, who have done nothing wrong to us, who, who do not owe us a thing, oftentimes they're the ones who take the brunt of someone else's debt to us. This is true for me just a few years ago. I was harboring um, some unresolved anger towards my dad for a decision that he had made that tore our family apart, left my mom in a very vulnerable, hurting position. And really, I think the thing that like, just made me so upset is that he would not take, he, he would not take any kind of ownership for his actions. Just kept denying, denying, kept blaming everybody else. He was completely justified in what he had done. And I got to tell you, I was mad. I was mad. There were times I would call him just to unleash on him. I would yell and I would scream because I was hurt by what he had done to our family. And what I found is that my anger towards my dad started coming out on my family. Started coming out on my wife. My kids, I was short. I was just an angry person. Like, I had to deal with this. I don't know if you've ever been in that place where you're angry with somebody, and yet the people that you love the most are the ones who end up taking the brunt of it. That's where I was. And man, that's not a place I wanted to live in. I can tell you that's not a place that Amber wanted to live in either. There were so many times she said, stop taking your issues out of out on your dad, on on me. And she was right. It's the good news for us today, for those of us who maybe find ourselves in that place right now, is that we don't have to live in that place. God has set us free from that, and he's given us a way to unleash our heart from that anger, to break that anger before it breaks another relationship. By God's grace, I can tell you, I don't live in anger anymore over that. Like some days it comes right back up and I have to deal with it again. But it's not a constant thing. And that freedom that I've experienced from that, I'm telling you, God wants you to experience too. And the remedy that God has given us for our anger is found in forgiveness. Forgiveness. Mm, And That's a tough thing, isn't it? (laughs) That can be really hard. If you find yourself angry and feeling like something has been taken from you, God's answer to this, God's answer to healing your heart is forgiveness. And, And if you've ever done that or you tried to do it, then you know that it's not quite as easy as what it sounds. It's hard. You either feel like you can't muster up the courage to do it or you feel like forgiveness feels a whole lot like letting that person off the hook for what they've done. And our sense of justice stirs within us and we feel like that's not right, that's not right. Fortunately, Jesus tackles this issue of forgiveness head on during his, his ministry, and I think it speaks a whole lot of wisdom to our lives, mine included, something I have to read through over and over and over as a reminder. Let's look at our text together. Matthew chapter 18, we're going to start in verse 21. Matthew records a scene like this. He says, then Peter came to Jesus. And he asked him, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Peter's been following Jesus here for a little bit. He knows that Jesus doesn't quite move and act and treat others the way that others move and act and treat others, and so... As he's dealing with this issue of forgiveness, he comes to Jesus and he's like, hey, how many times should I forgive? And, and I think that Peter thinks that he's really stretching the bar here, not, not just one time, but should I forgive them seven times? Almost as if to say, Jesus, look at how far I have come. Look at how much I am growing. I am willing to forgive somebody seven times. Verse 22, Jesus answers, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. In other words, as many times as it takes. I was having this conversation with someone just coming in to worship this morning. This is what God calls us to. It's not that we go, okay, seven, scratch that. Now I'm going to keep a tally mark up to 77 times and then watch out. You hit that 78th time. Nope, I'm done. (laughs) No, Jesus is saying as many times as it takes, that's how often we are to forgive. He goes on. He shares this parable, this story that helps us understand what God's like and how we relate to him and how we live out his love and grace for us. Verse 23 says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven... It's like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, a lot of times Jesus would use hyperbole in in his parables to make a point. 10,000 bags of gold just basically represents a debt that could never be paid in a lifetime, ever. A man who owed the king 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this time, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. And the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Let's pause right there. According to Jesus, forgiveness is simply the decision to cancel the debt. It's a decision to cancel the debt. Whenever someone has hurt you, you have a decision to make. You can make them pay or you can cancel their debt. Forgiveness is canceling the debt, and in this story, the way that God chose to handle our sin is through canceling our debt. It's through forgiveness. We owed him a debt that we could never repay. Our sin created this debt a relationship with God that we could never repay, and so through Jesus, God says, it's okay, I'll pick up the tab. You're forgiven. You're set free. It's not anything that we've done because we can never earn that back. We can never pay enough to cancel that debt. God said, you are forgiven. I'm freeing you of the debt that you owe me. It's forgiveness. And so how does the story in our servant respond to this kind of forgiveness and grace? Verse 28 So when that servant, this newly freed man, walks out, he went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, it's about a hundred days wage, not a small amount, but not nearly what this man had just been forgiven, owed him a hundred silver coins, he grabbed him and began to choke him saying, pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay you back. And here, this first servant is now in the position of power. Now he is owed something. How does he reply? Verse 30 says, But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. And went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You, you wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And this next, these next two verses, man, I don't like these verses. I think it speaks to the severity of what we're talking about. In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I don't like the way that that verse reads, but I think what Jesus is talking about is that our anger tortures us. It tortures us and it stirs and it stirs and it burns inside of our heart. And Jesus is saying, listen, unless you forgive, unless you let it go, it's going to continue to torture you and you're going to continue to suffer through it. So again, in this parable, the king represents God and the servant who had his debt forgiven, represents all of us who are in Christ, all of us who who have embraced Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and we have had our sin debt canceled by God's grace. The second servant, that servant represents anyone who now we hold a grudge against, maybe because of something that they have done to us, something that they have taken from us. These are people who have offended us, who have hurt us, who have embarrassed us, who have abandoned us, maybe rejected us. These are people who owe us something. And that, hear me, we have a legitimate case against. Like this does not minimize what has been taken from us. We have a legitimate case against them. But Jesus' words could not be any clear. Cancel their debt. Forgive them because you have been forgiven and if you're like me maybe you're thinking right now what a harsh thing to say Jesus like I'm the one who's been hurt I'm the victim and now God is telling me that I'm supposed to just cancel their debt and and, and let it go and if I don't then God's going to come after me too and like some kind of retribution where it's just going to begin to eat me up and eat me up but I think that our negative reaction to this story shows just how much we miss how destructive anger in our lives is. Just how destructive anger can be to our relationships. From our perspective, we have every right to be angry until we have been paid back. But from God's perspective, that is possibly the most self destructive thing that we could ever do. I think that's why Jesus used such strong language in verse 35, 4 and 5, is to emphasize how poisonous anger is in our hearts. See, what God understands about anger is what we hope to, what what I hope to eventually really grasp as I I grow is that anger is a prison that we lock ourselves in while continuing to hold the keys. Anger is this prison that we lock ourselves in, We, we go behind the bars, we turn it, We continue to hold the keys and we're saying, someone let me out. Someone let me out. And it may not be a literal prison. I mean, if you hold on to it long enough and it comes out, maybe it could be a literal prison. It's not a literal prison for those who harbor resentment and anger in their hearts, but we absolutely put ourselves in an emotional prison when we cling to the debt, that others owe us and we refuse to give forgiveness, which means that we continue to hold the keys. And here's the thing, we have each one of the keys numbered. We know what each key represents. We know the pain that is behind each one of them. And we continue to hold them and lock ourselves up. To refuse to forgive is to continue to self-destruct and to allow your anger to continue to break you and your relationships. But there's another way. You can choose to forgive. The price of our forgiveness required God's giving his son for us. Our decision to forgive those who have hurt us comes down to our our pride. When you swallow your pride and you choose to forgive, you have given yourself a gift that ensures your freedom from the prison of bitterness and resentment. And on top of all of that, if you're a Christian, listen to me. And Shawna, you can hang on just a little bit. If you're a Christian, you have given up your right to be angry when you put your faith in Christ. That's a hard thing to understand. It's hard for me to grasp, but when we are in Christ, we have given up our anger, our right to be angry. I was reading this morning a passage in Colossians and I just want to share with you. As Paul is talking about how the gospel begins to change our lives and influence us, this is one of the things that he says. He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. He calls us, you have a role in this. Put these things to death. He goes on, he says, rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger and rage and malice. And then he goes down to verse 12, and he says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, those of you who are in Christ Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. We have now been called to treat others the way that we have been treated in Christ. How God dealt with our sin was not fair. He forgave us. How we deal when others sin against us is not fair, but we forgive. In other words, you don't forgive because the other person deserves it. You forgive because you have been forgiven. And you may not feel like it, but I'm telling you, there are times where doing the right thing, doing the right thing means that you do it even though you don't feel like it. So how do we do this? A couple of things real quickly as we close. If you want to release yourself from the prison of anger that maybe you feel stuck in, number one, identify who you're angry with. Who do you hope that you never see again? Who, who when you are walking through Walmart and you see them on the other side, you go the other way because you want to avoid them. Who do you find yourself having an an imaginary, heated conversation with? Or am I the only one that does that? (laughs) That, oh, if I could just give them a piece of my mind, I'd tell them this. And then they'd see how much they hurt me. Who would you like to take revenge on if you knew that you could get away with it? The first step towards releasing yourself from anger is knowing who you need to forgive. In this parable that we see, the servant went up to the servant who owed him something. He knew who owed him something. Who owes you something? Step number two is determine what they owe you. You know, the king in the parable knew the the exact amount that was owed him. The servant knew the exact amount what was owed to him. and, And you may know what they did to hurt you. And so... Own that. Determine what they did to hurt you. What it is that they took from you. What it is that they owe you. And until you answer that, you're not able to forgive. You see, general forgiveness does not hurt, does not heal specific hurts. So it's important that you pinpoint exactly what has been taken from you so that you know exactly what it is that you're canceling. And then number three, cancel the debt. After you identify what's been taken from you, make a decision to cancel the debt of the offending party and say, you do not owe me anymore. And for some, that may mean having a conversation with that person who hurt you and saying, I forgive you. For some of you, the truth is you can't have a conversation with that person anymore because they're gone. And so you just have to I mean, I've counseled some people before, just sit in a chair with a chair across from you and just pretend like that person is sitting there and say, you don't owe me anything anymore. For some of you, it might actually be harmful for you to see the person that has taken something from you that owes you something. And so for you, maybe it's writing a letter saying, I forgive you, sending it to them or just writing that letter saying, I forgive you and then ripping it up and throwing it away. Whatever it takes for you, cancel the debt. And then dismiss the case. And this might be a daily decision that you have to make for a while. You may wake up the next day and that anger comes right back up and you say, nope, nope, nah, I've dealt with that, I've forgiven, canceling the case. You wake up the next day, nah, I've, I've I canceled that, I've forgiven, I've dismissed the case. But as you do that more and more and more, you're going to find that you begin to release yourselves from that prison of anger that once held you so tight. So who owes you? Who took something from you? Who are you angry with? My question to you is how long are you going to let that person control you? How long are you going to let them keep you in that prison of anger? You hold the keys of forgiveness in your hand, keys that will release you from that prison. Let today be the day that you choose to break anger through the power of forgiveness. Let today be the day that you say to that person, you don't owe me anymore. You don't owe me anymore. From one forgiven soul to another, you don't owe me anymore. That is the freedom that God desires for you. Would you stand with me as I pray? Father, thank you for your love and your grace your freedom that is ours through Christ. Thank you that when you saw us dead in our sin and our transgression with a debt to you that we could not pay, you paid it for us through your son, Jesus. Lord, for those of us who have placed our faith in Christ, have tasted the sweetness of your salvation and your grace and your love. Lord, even though it's hard, I pray that we will now in turn respond by giving that love and that grace and that forgiveness to others. Lord, I know in this room there are people who are hurting and they are angry because something real and legitimate has been taken from them and they feel like that person owes me something. God, I pray that you will open up their hearts to begin the process of forgiveness. It's not easy, but Lord, it is the way that you have modeled for us and it's the way that you have instructed us because you know it is the way of life and freedom. So God, give us courage to take that step in forgiving those who have hurt us. And as we do, God, may you release us from anger that wants to ruin our lives and destroy our relationships. Thank you, God, for addressing that so that we can find true life in you. I pray it in Jesus' name, amen.